0: You're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. Your source for all the Baltimore news and information. Now ice up, hon. All right, everybody, and welcome to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. This is episode 0.1. We're not officially live yet, even though we're kind of live. So we have your hosts, Daniel. Hello everybody. We got Kyle. Hey, what's going on guys? And you got me, Matt. So, uh, you know, let's go ahead and just dive right into uh some of the more important stories that we've heard this week. Uh it's it's obviously slow. It's the off season. It is uh, you know, kind of tough to to keep bringing up things, but um this week the most overrated and underrated Raven uh, articles came out. So, while we we already know who everyone else ranks as the most overrated Raven, uh, what do you guys think, who do you guys think is the most overrated Raven on the team currently?
1: I'm going to have to go with Lardarius Webb. And I say that because of his contract, which is huge, and his play is no longer worth guarding number one receivers with, and after two ACL tears, he's becoming a shell of, form, of his former self. And while I love Webb to death, I think that's I think that's fair enough to say he's overrated only because of his contract. If he played with a lower contract, that um, I believe his contract actually ends of this year. Uh, once if we were to give him less money after what he's been having for his output, it wouldn't be an issue. But that's the problem right now. His contract's big. His play is no longer big.
0: Okay, how about you, Daniel? Who do you think is the uh, most overrated Raven?
2: I, too, picked a cornerback. Uh, Kyle Arrington is actually the most overrated Raven, in my opinion. Okay, that's a good one. Lardarius Webb has at least started all 16 games in one of his seasons. Uh, Jimmy Smith has started all 16 games. Kyle Arrington has yet to start in all 16 games. Um, I think he peaked... Uh, in 2011 uh, when he you know, registered uh, seven interceptions. And uh, I find him to be inconsistent. I mean, he is solid at times. Don't get me wrong, but um, he's been on his descent um, since 2000, 2011.
0: I, I can understand you saying that. I mean, it, it, both of you guys make a really good point. Uh, and cornerback is one of those positions um, that, you know, especially with injuries, in the case of Lardarius Webb, uh, you know, can can take kind of the some of the speed out of you, can take some of the quickness out of you, and as a shorter player, uh, he he needs that in order to kind of match up well. And, and for you, Kyle, you know, Kyle Arrington, uh, excuse me, you Daniel, uh, Kyle Arrington, you know, I I don't know how I feel about that one. I I, I think. I think if he's expected to to go man-on-man with someone, then, you know, potentially. But uh, for the most part, they're going to keep him in the slot, I think, this year uh, and let him battle it out with, you know, the the shorter, shiftier, not as good wide receivers. So I I don't know what we see out of him this year um, from the Ravens' standpoint versus uh, what, you know, New England's seen out of him the past few years.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that what I think is he's only on the team because we're desperate for corners right now, and so uh, that's true. He, well, yeah, he did sign a three-year, what, seven million dollar contract. So
0: I believe that's right. Yeah. Uh,
2: like you said, he's gonna guard slot receivers, but I hope. I mean, like he did get eaten up by Anquan Bolden, and there's a video on YouTube I watched earlier of him uh, getting beat at the line of scrimmage against T.Y. Hilton. So. I mean, those two guys are relatively. Well, I mean, what, would you consider Anquan a, a slot receiver? Could he? No, I, I mean,
0: especially for San Francisco, I think at this point, he's kind of their number two guy behind Torrey Smith. Right. Um, and over the past few years, San Francisco's used him as essentially their number one guy just because, you know, injuries and, and inconsistent play from everyone else uh, they have at wide receiver. Anquan's kind of been their, their main guy. And. I think that's kind of the issue. Kyle Arrington, when he was with New England, especially, you know, last year or even the year before, um, you know, was used as a as a primary corner for for New England and you know, I don't I don't know how well that translates over to to being a slot receiver, so I can certainly see where you'd think that uh, you know, he might be an overrated player and, and you know, only time wow. will tell him. It's 5'10" 190, so
2: but yeah, I mean, you know me, Matt. I did a little bit of homework um he, uh, he played, okay, Kyle Arrington played on defenses ranked 17th in 2014 against the pass, 18th in 2013, uh, against the pass, and 29th in 2012. And, uh, to, when he played at his best, he was on a pass defense, um, ranked 31st in 2011. Heesh. So, I mean, he shined on a bad defense, of course, but I just think he's overrated. I'm not saying he's bad, you know. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I, I I can understand that. I mean, anytime you're given a multi-million dollar contract and and you're expected, as as Arrington has been, uh, you know, from a lot of Ravens fans, he's kind of just been expected to automatically take down that slot, that third, uh, you know, corner position, and that's that's not necessarily true. The Ravens do have a lot of depth at corner mainly because of their lack of depth last year, they, they're trying to correct that. So Arrington's not the lock that everyone thinks that he is. So certainly, I mean, that that's a great case to make toward being, uh, you know, overrated.
2: Right.
0: Um, you know, the the original writer, uh, Pete Prisco uh, of CBS Sports, said that Eugene Monroe was the most overrated player. And he kind of looked at, uh, you know, the contract that Monroe, Monroe had versus – you know, what, what he's been able to do uh, and his PFF ranking, um, I, you know, I, I think that's that's a tough one, too. And I even mentioned it in the article a little bit that Monroe's been hurt. Um, and if we're looking at guys that have been hurt and not able to go ahead and put up anything, then we kind of have to look at Dennis Pitta. Uh, you know, if, if that's the, uh, you know, thing that we can go ahead and do, Dennis Pitta's been the guy that hasn't been able to play for two seasons and he got a nice fat contract at the beginning of last season. Um, And you know, now there's talk about him not being able to play now, completely not his fault, just like Monroe's injuries have not been his fault. Um, But you know, if, if we're going to kind of leave that all up there, then, then honestly, Dennis Pitta kind of deserves that, uh, that nod for, for not being able to be active. Right. All right. Well, We've talked a little about the overrated Raven. Who's your underrated Raven? We'll start with you first, Daniel.
2: I also picked the I picked the cornerback for this uh, this bit. Uh, Rashan Melvin is mm. underrated. Okay. Why do you, Why do you say that? I know. I think is that was that you, Kyle, who said ooh. Yes, that was. Yeah. I'm. I don't know. From what I saw, in his three games, he started two of those. Um, I, I think his ceiling is higher than most of the corners we have on our team. Besides, obviously, the Jimmy Smith and Darius Webb. So, um, why do I say that? He, you, well, he was a, you know, refreshing surprise last year. And, um, I know, I know he didn't play against the greatest quarterbacks Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Connor Shaw against Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> and I, which is why. I'm not jumping the Melvin train, right? You know, I have one leg off, but uh, you know, I I think was it Barbara when you said, "Ooh, is that because he did so poorly against the um, Patriots?"
1: No, the, I actually said, "Ooh," game? because I think that's a good I think that's a good pick. I I'm, I don't okay. agree with it's the most
2: underrated. I think he is an
1: underrated player. He played great, and it wasn't his fault he got eviscerated by Tom Brady behind uh, that offensive line that was giving Brady <laughs> less than two seconds to right. get the pass off, and he still could, because Suggs and Dumerville and McPhee and all of our entire D-line was able to get to Brady if he wasn't releasing that football in under two seconds every single play.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, Rashawn Melvin is, is a great pick here because you know he he is still young. Uh, I mean, it, Last year was his third season, or his excuse me, his second season in the NFL. I mean, he he played in three games, only started two. Um, but you know, looking at his stats for those three games, I mean, they're they're not terrible. Mm. Uh, you know, seventeen tackles, one pass deflection, uh, and, and one forced
2: fumble. Yes,
0: that's not bad.
2: Yeah, I mean before before Brady took off. Melvin pants and spanked him in front of everybody, because uh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Brady went twelve. I think he will okay. So Melvin allowed twelve catches on fifteen passes thrown his way, which is eighty percent, and he gave up two hundred twenty-four yards and two touchdowns. So, yeah, you know, I mean,
0: but see that that's that's the tricky thing about Melvin is that you know that that's going up against one of the best you know the best quarterbacks of all time. Yes. I, I, and it's also in the playoffs and he doesn't have a ton of experience. I think he's one of those types of players, you know, you're, you're Kerry Williams, uh, you know, that type of player where with a little bit more experience, a little bit more time, uh, and, and not being pushed to, to make an immediate impact, he might be able to develop into that type of player. I mean, he's 6'2, he's 193 pounds, he's still only 25. Um, and he, and he ran a 4.42 ish 40 yard dash. Right, right, I mean, right. The kid's got a little bit of speed. He's got a little bit of size to him, and he's still really young. Uh, you know, getting a chance to play behind a guy like Jimmy Smith and Lardarius Webb, even if Webb is you know we as we discussed earlier a little overrated, you know he does have a chance to go ahead and learn from some some really good cornerbacks and play in a really good defense. He's just got to keep progressing, and, and we've heard it from Coach Harbaugh before: keep stacking, yeah. stack days, stack games, stack weeks, stack years. Same thing.
2: What most impressed me this is the last thing about Melvin. He he's a really good man on man uh cover on the outside, on the outside. When he press um when he bumps the receiver yeah. on the line of scrimmage, he's really good.
0: Yeah, and a lot of that comes from just being so big. I mean, he he's not the the beefiest uh corner on the world in the world, but Very you know, simple. he is 6-2. He has long arms. He's able to kind of get inside there uh and, and you know, jam a receiver at the line, which is huge. For for especially outside uh, a coverage where you know guys are typically going a little bit deeper, they've got a little bit more speed. Um, yeah, that, that's that's huge. Yeah. All right, how about you, Kyle? Who's your most underrated Raven?
1: All right, as uh, so you guys have seen on Baltimore beat down through the last two weeks, I've been writing an unsung hero uh, column uh, about players that I feel are underrated or underappreciated, and my number one, without a doubt, is Daryl Smith. This man is the 7th best linebacker ranked from PFF, or Pro Football Focus. His stats are insane. He played over 1,000 snaps last season. He had, over nine, he had 93 tackles, 9 QB hurries. It, he, was, he was a great player. And we are too busy watching the new shining example of a linebacker in C.J. Mosley to notice mm-hmm. that Daryl Smith is saving our ass on the other side. He is great. And I've watched that man play. He's great in coverage. He's great against the run. He even ended up having a sack this year. And and I think he was one of the best pickups the Ravens have had since Ray Lewis left. And he is the most underrated Raven.
0: You know, Kyle, that's actually a really good person to pick. And, and I just did an article recently about uh, C.J. Mosley was kind of chosen as one of the top five inside linebackers in football uh, for the 2015 season. And a lot of people kind of overlook Daryl Smith, mainly because he's he's 33. He has had injuries throughout his career. But, you know, last year he was right underneath C.J. Mosley in just about all the stats. And he was ahead of, you know, several other uh, you know, linebackers that kind of got more recognition. Um, so, you know, Daryl Smith is is quiet, and for that matter, he came to OTAs this uh, off season. So, you know, he he's not like a lot of other veterans that we've seen that kind of, you know, they realize that's the end of their career, um, and, and they start kind of slacking off a little bit, figuring they're going to get taken over by the next guy. Daryl Smith's making the case to continue being the starting linebacker. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of people do forget about him, which is a shame. And, and, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why the Ravens have been one of the better teams in the league over the past few seasons because they're able to find those players that no one really remembers but sure put it on every Sunday. I Personally, my guy uh, has been Chris Canny and I know so many people are going to be so upset about that because just saying Chris Canty and, like, he's a good player just seems to piss people off for no good reason. But Chris Canty is a good player, and, and you know, he's he's not a huge sack artist. He's not, you know, he's not the most explosive player in the world, but he is a guy that's been playing in the league for so many seasons, and, and he does recognize that, you know, it's it's coming down to the end here. Um, and he wasn't OTAs, so uh, certainly he's one of those players that I was just discussing. But, uh, you know, he, he was able to hold off, uh, you know, a lot of young players last season. Um, and even though the Ravens kind of got rid of him, they brought him back for a reason. And, you know, when you have that much talent on the defensive line and you bring a guy back like that, it's not because... You know, you're just trying to throw him a few million dollars. Uh, you, you're doing it because he's a guy that can go ahead and play some meaningful snaps for you. And a lot of people don't seem to realize that, that Chris Canty, even though he is at the end of his career, is still putting up solid numbers. And I can't remember exactly uh, uh, where he's been ranked, but I believe it was, you know, 6th or 8th in run stopping, uh, as far as a defensive end goes. I mean,
1: that's I actually got it pulled up right here.
0: I just, there you yep, go, I Kyle. I just pulled up. Uh the uh against the
1: run. Canty is I just had it. Where is it at? Of course. Now now I lost it. I just <laughs> had it and now I lost. It. I have no idea how I did that. Let's see here. His overall ranking, Chris Canty against the run. He has a three point nine and that would put him at he's at fourteenth. He's at fourteenth against the run. And that's great. He's going yeah. up against Sheldon Richardson, J.J. <laughs> Watt, Fletcher Cox, Clias <laughs> Campbell. He's right behind Ray McDonald and Haloti Nada. Like those are who he's behind, yeah. and he's a, he's one person ahead of Timmy Jernigan and Cameron Hayward, which are both
0: known for being great run stopping players. Exactly, exactly. And the Ravens re-signed him back in March on a two year deal for you know, a little over four and a half million dollars. You know, I mean, he he's looking at what two and a quarter, two and a, a third million per year that's not a ton of money for a guy um, that you know is able to put up those types of numbers or or that type of production against guys that are pretty solid so you know even though guys like Brent Urban Timmy Jernigan are going to start kind of pushing him to the side a little bit uh, I think this season he's a guy that is just severely underrated at least by Ravens fans Uh, he's a guy that's underrated so all right. Sense. Well, let us talk about probably one of the uh, more touchy topics we could talk about in sports. Um, there was recently an article uh, on Bleacher Report, um, a little bit about marijuana, touch. um, it being a banned substance, obviously, but uh, you know how often it's being used by doctors and even by you know, sports players as a painkiller and, you know, it, it, some of its other ways. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? I mean, do you feel like it'll eventually end up making its way over or do you kind of feel like it's, it's, it's one of those types of things that is always going to have a, a bit of a reputation behind it?
1: It's, it's always going to have a reputation. Uh, I mean, even the word marijuana or weed or pot, some it strikes fear in some people's hearts for some reason. I think it's a good idea for the league to uh, investigate and try. I mean, I wouldn't be against having players say, hey, this helps me out, this feels good, and like my pain is significantly lower than being thrown pills at them consistently because from stories that they've had online and other players have spoken about once they've left the league for many years, they've said that, yeah, I took painkillers and, and I, I hurt all the time and, and I would just be given painkillers. Like I would be given, you know, drugs to cease that pain. And I think if, if marijuana is actually something that would help players, uh, to not experience such high-volume amounts of pain. It's something worth looking into and trying to better the leak. Do I think it'll happen, though? No, at least not until the entire United States has legalized this. I don't think it'll happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's a good point, Kyle. It's something that clearly won't be accepted in professional sports until, at the very least, the United States has kind of accepted it. But there is a, a pretty growing movement, uh, you know, uh, across the United States for there to be more research done into its medical uh, uh, portions. And even for that matter, you know, since, since alcohol has been uh, out there for as long as it has been and prescription drugs – uh, both of those things being significantly worse for not only the human body, but for, for cognitive abilities, which ultimately lead to other things like, you know, drunk driving and, and deaths that way. Um, you know, guys being on weed, it doesn't seem that bad in, in all reality, especially when uh, Jamal Anderson is the player that you're thinking of. Um, you know, he was the a running back for, for the Atlanta Falcons, um he, he kind of estimated that it was right around 40 to 50% uh of the league used it when he was playing and, and keep in mind he retired in 2001. Yeah. You know, it's only gotten worse or better depending on how you want to look at that. I mean, we've got guys like Josh Gordon now that you know clearly is 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 a, a a statement for marijuana. Um you know, and, and being uh, being able to use that now, some guys just like alcohol, and we've we've seen that, especially over the past few years. Uh, Ray Rice being one of the the more poignant examples. Um, you know, alcohol is something that can can kind of make you a little loose yeah. and, and and have a good time. It can also be that thing that punches your fiance in an elevator. You know, it, it's it, it's like anything wow. else. I mean, we, we've seen it with prescription drugs as well. I mean, that, that seems to be, um, you know, a major sticking point for a lot of the players that are looking to push this as a, uh, an accepted thing is that instead of taking something like oxycodone or oxycotton, you know, things that have a huge, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're able to get addicted to it really, really easily. Yep. Instead of doing things like that, you know, maybe let's go ahead and switch to something that's a little bit more, (laughs) I'm going to use finger quotes here, organic. Um, You know, and something that's a little bit harder to get addicted to, uh, and you certainly can't get addicted to it physically. Uh, Mentally, you can be, uh, again, Josh Gordon being the perfect example. But, uh, you know, it's it's used by cancer patients. It, it, It does have its medical reasons to use it. And I wouldn't be surprised if once the U.S. as a whole kind of accepts it, and it seems to be going that way, that we start seeing professional sports be a little bit more okay with it. And, of course, putting limits on those types of things. You know, a guy can't go ahead and and play football high out of his mind. Right. And, and he, he can't go, you know, fighters can't fight high out of their mind. There, there are certain points that, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting to kind of think about it uh, on that front, I got
1: one more point before Daniel comes in and it is addiction. Like you were mentioning addiction, is something very serious and prescription drugs are, are leading in, in addictive, uh, persons. I don't, I don't know how it, I would describe it, but I know it's one of the leading addictions in the U S and once you're done with pills or pills aren't working for you enough, Things that people turn to usually when they're addicted to painkillers is heroin. And that's the next closest thing to painkillers. It's heroin. And that's terrifying to think that once these players are out of the league, some of them, you know, they won't be having the same uh, chances to get uh, prescription drugs. They might turn to that. And I think that's terrifying as opposed to them smoking a joint or getting high on marijuana. I think that this is something serious and it should be taken seriously, and if there are alternative methods such as marijuana use helping NFL players, I don't see why it isn't a problem that they would use it instead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, before you, you, you go ahead and say anything, uh, Daniel, anything one, one of the, the biggest things that Bleacher Report even kind of mentioned is that it does, uh, at least some people, believe that you know marijuana helps ease some of the effects of concussions and with players now retiring in their twenties partially due to any concern of that, you know, it's something that the NFL should maybe be a little bit more forward thinking in. And and, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It's not like the NFL's drug testing is, is all that difficult to get around. Um, I mean, there's, there's numerous reports about players kind of saying, look, we, we know when we get tested, um, or when we're going to get tested, it's, it's not a shock to any of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as random as anyone might think. Y- you kind of just chill out a little bit before and a little bit after, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it's it's the guys that just aren't able to kind of stop. It's the guys that have some other issues. And, again, I'm going to point right at Josh Gordon. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's guys like that that seem to not be able to you know, put other things down and kind of get their life in control and, and weeds the last thing really on that list. There's so many other issues ahead of them, um, that, you know, that's not the thing they need counseling on. They need, they need life counseling on. That's that makes like sense. It.
2: I don't have much, I don't have a, uh, anything profound. I don't have a profound take on this, but, uh, I guess I disagree with the recreational use of marijuana. I guess. I mean, that's just a personal thing, but, uh, I haven't done much research um, to make any statements that would, you know, tilt my stance on the medicinal practice of marijuana, um, mm-hmm. and all these failed tests lead to suspensions for games specifically for former Ravens' uh, Rolando McClain, or is it Rolando Yeah. McClain? Rolando, Rolando, but... um
0: yeah, McLean actually. Yeah, that, that's that is pretty breaking news. He actually got suspended uh, today, uh, in, in part of that. So, yeah, I mean we're we're seeing guys get year suspensions for this type of stuff, and
2: I, you know it's it's not going down any. Just add a little bit. Uh, I mean, I do know. I guess I've you know, not. I don't know how to say this. I guess I know some people that are addicted to it, right? And so they just they always say you know. The next time they have to take more amounts, smoke more amounts to um, ease this pain, that pain, um, because of their tolerances are just getting higher and higher. So they're getting higher and higher.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's that's a pretty common thing with any drug. I mean, I, I know more than enough people. Uh, and just to give you kind of a little bit of insight behind me. I, um, you know, I hurt my knee back when I was in high school, and I was given uh, oxycodone or oxycotton, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, I was taking a half of a 5-milligram pill, and it would put me on my butt. And I'm a, I'm a big boy. Uh, at the time, I was 200 pounds. I was, I was not as fat as I am now, <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm honest. I was a little more muscular. Um, and, and it would put me on my butt. I mean, we're talking about I don't have a lot of trouble with a lot of things that did uh, you know, and, and there's, there's more than enough people out there that are taking three, four, five times that amount that are a lot smaller than me. And a lot of that goes just to using it for so long or, or abusing it in a lot of instances for so long that, uh, yeah, you, you do kind of end up growing a, a certain tolerance for it. Um, and, and I'm sure that's the case for, for just about every drug, um, you know, more use, prolonged use, you end up kind of needing to, uh, to bump up the amounts a little bit. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because since 2001 and, and, you know, this article from Bleacher Report really kind of uses Jamal Anderson as its, as its starting point. Since 2001, we've seen a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more suspensions. And, and part of that can go down to, you know, Roger Goodell being uh, commissioner and him being a little bit less lenient on that type of stuff. Uh, but a lot of it goes down to it just seems like it's just a growing thing generally. Um, you know, our generation, we're all pretty young. We're all in our 20s here. Um, and, you know, we're seeing less people smoking cigarettes uh, and more people kind of smoking pot. That's just kind of a thing that's happening now, at least from my example or from from my, uh, my own knowledge. You know, I, I'm sure the, the numbers kind of correlate with that as well it's something that's not going to go away. The league needs to understand that. And, you know, it it, it could do the right thing. It could do the intelligent thing by spending some of the billions that they make every year on the backs of their players by looking into it and maybe doing a little bit more research into how it can help ease concussions and how it can do those types of things. Um, You know, it's, it's not always legal, Uh, in some states, um, but a lot of states do have, you know, medicinal use uh, allowed. And, um, you know, for the amount of players that are, you know, being handed pills, uh, it's a little concerning to think that, uh, you know, we're we're certainly not helping these players, these people, any by doing that. Uh, we're, We're essentially just kind of expanding uh, what ultimately is going to drive them to be broke, to be uh, you know a- a addicted, and to be seriously on the outs once football's over?
1: Makes sense. Uh, I have one thing to add. Yeah. Uh, Sheldon Richardson has been suspended four games. Antonio Gates has been suspended four games. Rolanda McClain yes. suspended four games. Dayton Jones suspended one week, all for violating the substance abuse policy. Now, I don't know if that was because they were using anything else, but when it comes to these certain suspensions, you assume it is marijuana. And would you want all four of these players, three of them being star players, Antonio Gates, Hall of Fame expected tight end, Sheldon Richardson, one of the top players in the league currently as a 3-4 D end, and then also Rolando McClain, who turned his entire game around from busted first-round draft pick from the Oakland Raiders, came to Baltimore, retired in Baltimore twice, and now he's back playing as a star middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, all because of marijuana use? If that's what this is anyways,
0: I think I I disagree with it. I disagree with it. Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Kyle. I mean, and more specifically looking at McLean, I mean, since we have a little bit more experience with him than, than any of the other players, Uh, You know, you've got a guy who, like you said, was a first-round pick, uh, you know, played a little bit in in Oakland, but ultimately couldn't get his life together, Uh, came to Baltimore, couldn't get his life together, and and appears to, generally speaking, be keeping his nose out of trouble in in Dallas, Uh, you know, certainly by by the standard he set before, and now he's going to lose money uh, and, and not earn game checks. Because of something, and, and, you know, yeah, we are assuming that that it is marijuana, but, um, you know, he, he's not going to be earning game checks. And then there's all this negative press later on when players are, you know, out of football at 30, and they're poor. Yep. They're broke. They're selling off their, their Super Bowl rings. They're they're going ahead and having to work, you know, odd jobs and, and doing all this other type of stuff, and it's because of stuff like that. If, if we kind of put a little bit more stock into that, you'd figure that uh, – you know players like McLean, who finally seem to be kind of doing the right thing, uh, might be able to to kind of figure its life out a little bit more and and have a longer career. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a shame. But you know, then again, no one can really fault the league for what's going on in terms of suspensions, even if it is for marijuana, and even if you know any of us agree or disagree. Ultimately, the rules are in place for these players to get suspended. Um, they're in place for for any reason, and ultimately, we all have to follow the law. We all have to follow what our jobs tell us, and a lot of people seem to forget that the NFL is an employer. It employs these players. That's it. Just like any of us, we're subject to to get uh, drug tested. You know, we're subject to you know, being fired, if, if it turns out we go ahead and drive drunk one time and get pulled over and we're in the news blotter uh, or the police blotter, we're subject to the same thing that these players are. Um, except for the players, it's it's far more well-known that that's going to happen for them. Um, you know, so for guys like McLean and, and all the ones that were uh, suspended today, you know, they, they have no one to blame but themselves. And they can champion... Any of the usage that they want, but they need to go ahead and, and learn how to maybe uh, follow the rules a little bit more first and kind of champion it second. So getting out of that kind of now sort, sort of depressing topic, uh, let's 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 push a little bit into AFC North news. It's the offseason. There's not a lot going on, uh, but there is a little bit of AFC North news. Number one being the Steelers put in a bid to host Super Bowl 57 in 2023. The hell. (laughs) Who wants to go to Pittsburgh in, like, January, February to play football? Don't get me wrong. We're, We're an AFC North team. You know, the Ravens love that sloppy, messy football. But 90% of the league is finesse. 90% of the league is about throwing it uh, you know, all around. Pittsburgh's going to be cold and snowy as hell. Why would anyone think that they're, they're going to get a chance at that? I'm in on this one. I'm totally for it. And here's why. One, say
1: we go to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 2023, and we blow out any <laughs> NFC team on Steelers' home turf. Oh my goodness, can you imagine the happiness it would it would be to win another championship in Pittsburgh. Oh, by it'd be time, beautiful.
2: By that time, Maddie Lynn will it's be true. a perennial pro bowler, right? An All-Star, <laughs> an All-Star regular in his 10th season with the Ravens, right? So I'm so
1: wanting thinking, this. Um, yes, absolutely. Another reason. <laughs> it's cold, like all you said, like all the negative things you think you said are all positives in my book. They want to throw it around in that cold weather. People don't want to show up in that cold weather. I would love to be there in that, su- watching that Super Bowl in this terrible, mucky Pittsburgh, uh, turf. And it's just bad and it's just <laughs> sloppy and nobody wants to be around it. I'd love to watch that game. I'm sick of watching it being a shootout. I, I want gridiron, hardcore, slap in the face. Football and that would be so much fun to
0: watch. I'm all in on this. See, I, I completely agree with you, Kyle, and I, I wasn't saying negatives for us because, you know, we, we come from a, a team that loves playing that, you know, hard nose defense, yep. run it down your throat, smash just kind of, yeah, the smash-mouth type of football, you know, the old leather helmet type of football. Um, however, we are so few and far between um, there are so many teams out there that will will throw their arms up in the air at the thought of a Super Bowl being played in that type of condition uh, that it's it's a little depressing to even think about honestly. Um, that and I mean Pittsburgh's dirty. Who wants to go ahead and play in Pittsburgh? <laughs> I'm in. I want to get some I'm paint. In. I'm in. I want to do that. Th- strap
1: me on a helmet. I'm going. I'm going and playing in Pittsburgh. I'm gonna stomp whoever's in there. <laughs> Me and my 170 pound, five foot eleven frame are gonna go kick some teeth in.
2: <laughs> you're gonna, uh, I, I,
1: I like it, man. You're getting pumped. I am. I am. Ex- I <laughs> want this to happen. I would be totally happy with Pittsburgh getting a bid in this. For that reason, it'd be nasty and sloppy, and it'd be exciting football. Nothing's better need, than, than sloppy
0: football.
2: Need loads of marijuana to uh, to heal the, <laughs> to heal the frostbite after the game. Yeah. I'm in. I'm, in. In. I'm still in.
0: <laughs> what about you, Daniel? Do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea? What, what how do you feel about Pittsburgh hosting a Super Bowl? I
2: think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love, Why? I, too I col- love the shootouts. No, I want to see it in a warm weathered stadium, um, you know, with clear skies and a high scoring mm-hmm. game. I don't want to see it. Too much mud. Because they they grinded for what? three weeks, four weeks, in the sloppy mud and all the, you know, snow, they deserve, a, you know, they deserve a warm-weather Super Bowl, you know? They, nah, that both teams sense. are trying ah, to win. That makes sense. They, just, H- here's they the came thing, out I mean, of hell to reach, you know, <laughs> the gates of the heaven. It's <laughs> the to, to, to,
1: to walk in to, and play Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know we played uh, three rounds uh, of playoffs to... Come here. If you want to see a, fun
2: a Pro Bowl. No, really. If you want to see a fun, exciting Pro Bowl, they should move that pro, the Pro Bowl to the to Pittsburgh. That'd be Pro, pro Bowl is so boring in Hawaii, right? <laughs> I, I. But here's the thing.
0: I mean, the the league as a whole seems to try to push this idea of you know more points and more excitement. And while a, a lot of fans do love the Smash Mouth football. It seems like, I mean, and we've seen it with rule changes, especially, they want to add more excitement. I don't know how much excitement there's going to be in in Pittsburgh, especially when you realize, even though they, you know, a a lot of the fans in Pittsburgh are blue collar and they're kind of poor, there are going to be so many of those terrible towels, regardless of the fact that Pittsburgh isn't going to be in there. It's going to be so annoying, and I'm just going to be so tired of hearing about it. I just, I mean, just. Can we host it, like, next to Pittsburgh?
2: Yeah, seriously. (laughs)
1: I would be okay with the <laughs> final score of that Super Bowl 2023 being 12 to six, or 12 yeah. to nine. I am okay with that. or seven, seven to six. It, oh it'd my. be great. I, I am totally for what? this. I get, what, I get the argument against it, Daniel. That makes sense. Yes. You know, these guys work hard. you know, Some team probably went in and played Green Bay. in lambeau field and in
0: frost
1: the other one was in detroit somehow i don't know how that works out but you know they're playing in detroit
0: and and they have to and all these
1: hard-working teams battle it out in the playoffs right and and their championship is in pittsburgh
0: that sucks i get it like even pittsburgh people don't want to be in pittsburgh (laughs) All right, I'm so hate mail right we're, now. But, yeah, we're um, not getting any more fans this way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's let's jump onto a little something about the Bengals. Uh, you know, there's not a lot going on right now. Again, with with the off season, Steelers kind of took it for the ASC North by putting in a bid to host the uh, Super Bowl. But uh, for the Bengals, TJ Hushmanzada is interning with the Bengals. Ravens fans will remember him as being a Bengal wide receiver, and they will also remember him with not being able to make a fourth down catch for the Ravens. (laughs) That's probably the extent of, of what fans will remember him as, uh, Kyle and I were, were kind of, you know, prepping beforehand. He actually, uh, played for the, the Raiders for a year in 2011. I don't think anyone remembers that, but, uh, so so what do you guys think about Hushman Zada kind of coming back as an intern and, and maybe even uh, eventually a, as a coach. Well,
2: Taraj, TJ his his full name is Taraj. If you're listening, remember me because <laughs> I also want to be qualified. I think I'm qualified for the Bill Walsh Minority Coaching Program <laughs> cuz there you I'm go. Quarterback for uh, five flag football championships. I know that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> Look at you pointing to your rings. I've also coached an all-women's flag football champion uh, winning team as well.
1: All right. That a, means, uh, that uh, means uh, right there that Daniel has enough rings for one hand it, with the thumb.
2: With the right. thumb.
1: And then he can hold up his other hand, raise it high, and that's got the number one on it
2: right there. So, TJ, if you're listening, take, uh, how do I become a brief. coaching intern? Please bring me on board.
0: I was gonna say apparently Daniel doesn't want to uh, you know be a part of the podcast anymore. <laughs> right, he's gonna go ahead and start coaching uh, you know football I teams. You have hey, DeAndre what?
2: Carter. He he was a communications major, remember?
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. There you go. This is gonna be the Matt and Kyle show by the end of the week. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel's gonna get a what? call from Hausman Zeta. He's just, yo man, yeah, you're you're welcome to come aboard, and Daniel's gonna peace out. <laughs>
0: In all fairness, the Bengals could use as many coaches as possible. Oh, <laughs> the, quarterback coach,
2: the quarterback coach, especially. Boom.
0: I'm trying to knock out all the AFC North. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're a
1: one Art model comment from losing any Browns viewership.
2: <laughs> oh my God.
0: Don't worry, they're up next. <laughs> all right, how about you, Kyle? What, what do you feel about, uh, you know, Hoosh being a uh, being an intern coach? I think that's cool.
1: No, I think having a life after football with having football still involved in a different form is really interesting, and I like that. I think, you know, if he still loves football, he just can't play it anymore, but still loves the game, be a part of it. Do what you want to do still. You know, your career may be done playing, strapping up that helmet, tying the cleats tight, but being a part of football after football is a good idea, and I'm all for it. Good job.
2: I have a question for both of you. Would you go have ahead. taken T.J. Houshmanzada's route, or would you have taken Dante Stalworth's route? Stallworth, um, I think he's interning for Huffington Post as a writer, or as, I don't know, a digital media analyst or something.
0: Yeah, I believe he's a political oh, writer, political, if I'm correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, so yeah. Which
2: route would you uh, have taken if you were both NFL former wide receivers? Hoosh Hoosh and it's not
0: even a second guess. I was going to say, yeah, I have to go with Houshmanzada. I mean, it... Uh, again, a lot of people seem to forget that Taraj Stallworth did, did have some other issues going on, and I'd rather not live with Great that in the back guy. of my mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> he, Stallworth has been just a you know a wonderful guy outside of that incident. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, there's a course. lot of reports of him just being a wonderful person, but um, you know, he he does have that incident on his resume. So yeah, I, I'd rather be in Hushmanzada's spot, uh, you know, any day of the week. And
1: personally, I, like being a kid that thought he was going to grow up and play next to Jerry Rice, I remember reading enough books on him. I thought I was going to do it, and if that didn't work out, I was just gonna, I was gonna have a measly NBA career. That's what my little ten-year-old self thought. Uh, I, I wanted to be a wide receiver in the NFL. I played, you know, n- some nice middle school football, but it'd have been yeah. awesome to even like even play in the NFL, and then afterwards still be able to go and intern and maybe be a coach, maybe do some serious work for your former team as a constituent, instead, it'd be great. I'm, I'm totally for that. It's really cool, and I'm jealous, in
0: fact. It, that is a really cool thing, and, and we talked a little bit earlier about so many players kind of being broke or, or, or you know just not having anything after football. It's kind of refreshing to see a former player uh, not only be able to return back to football in, in this type of way, but to even return back to his old team uh, in this way, where I'm sure you know he, he called Cincinnati home for so many years. While while they're an AFC North rival, uh, you know that that's that's a cool thing. Uh, the, the biggest question I have for both you guys is: what former Raven would you want to have interning as a coach? And you can't choose Ray Lewis.
2: Ooh, that's good.
0: Go. Ed Reed, Ed Reed,
1: so we can coach our DBs into a, another championship.
0: I, I'm going to disagree with you upside and down oh, on that one, okay. Kyle. He was a great film study, but the guy had terrible technique. And I again, I know so many people are going to rag on me about this, and, and I've gotten into it with people before. Ed Reed was great because he was able to bait quarterbacks into throws that most normal people could not go ahead and cover Ed Reed was that guy that could go ahead and cover it and was able to go ahead and snag it out of the wall, out of the air. I, you know, I would, I don't want our defensive backs trying to go ahead and tackle a guy with a shoulder, (laughs) you know, roll around on the ground for five minutes after, (laughs) you know, whiffing at something. And I don't want to see them go ahead and try to jump on a route only to have a, 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 the, have it go back for a touchdown. I, you know, honestly, I'd kind of like to see a guy like Chris McAllister, Ooh. not always the greatest when it came to fundamentals and, and not always the greatest when it came to kind of keeping his temper in line. But uh, I think he's one of those players that knew how to use his size effectively and would be a good DB coach. That makes sense. And now, now,
1: I'm, now how, I'm second about, guessing myself because that's a really good pick. Oh. I
2: don't know if you heard me. Did you? Oh, well, what, what are you thinking, Daniel? I said Jamal Lewis. That's a good one. He ran for uh, in two thousand three. He ran for two thousand and sixty six yards. If you remember that on three hundred eighty That's true. Semataries. I'm looking up his stats. He was an
0: animal. He was an animal. That's true. And he, he, I mean, he didn't have the longest career in the world, but he was still productive when he went to Cleveland. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and there's not a lot of guys out there that know how to run with that, you know, big body. Oh, man. Uh, I'm sure the Ravens would like to have him on there. And, and, you know, Jamal had to kind of sell his ring and his, I believe, declared bankruptcy. So yep. I'm sure he'd appreciate the job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, I was going to mention and, that as well. And that, that's not even a knock on him, really. I mean, it's just, it's true. I'm sure he'd love to kind of return back to football in, in that capacity and, and, you know, teach teach guys like Lorenzo Taliaferro how to yeah. kind of run with a little more power and keep the the choppy steps and, mm-hmm. Yeah, I am that's that's actually a really good pick. I think we, we all chose really good ones there. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the Browns. Um the Browns are last like usual. Um There it
1: is. There's the comment
0: we were waiting for. Beep.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Is uh is Manziel ready to be the quarterback for the Browns? You know, they've he's went he's gone to rehab, he's kind of quit the money sign. Uh, he seems to be taking his career a little bit more seriously and the Browns have done everything they possibly can to give him the opportunity to do it. Is he ready? Is he, is he able to do it this year? And if so, I mean, when do you think he eventually ends up taking over? How about you, Daniel?
2: Uh, wow. Put me on the spot real quick. Um, oh, okay. I don't think he's ready. Okay. Uh, what's his, you we're basing it off the um, article where Jim Brown calls John Johnny Manziel an all or nothing, right? And he says there's no in between for Johnny Manziel's career. That's and he, true. That's true. I I think Brown took a I guess subliminally a shot. He said at him. He said he took he he took it further. I know. He said that's the nature of his personality and the history that he brought to the Cleveland Browns organization, basically. Um. Is do you would you would you agree with me if you um. If I said, the general manager Ray Farmer, uh, wants the Browns to be in a win now mentality, to adapt a win now mentality. I I think Ray Farmer kind of needs that because
0: he's he's a little bit on the hot seat himself. You know, I mean the the Browns can't seem to keep, uh, you know, a coach in there or a, a general manager so. You know, I'm sure that Ray Farmer's kind of feeling a little bit of the heat, so I'm sure he would love to win, you know, and be in the playoffs this year. That would, that would give him another year at the job. So,
2: yeah, I mean, Tad, well, I was going to say, because that's just an unbearable amount of, you know, pressure on a young quarterback. And, uh, you know, easily Manziel can self-destruct, you know, going in because I, I mean, more than Manziel, I mean, if you look at the bigger picture, their schedule is extremely hard. They play the Rams, yeah. the Cardinals, Bills, Jets, and the, you know, us, the Seahawks. They, it's not an easy schedule. So, even though the headlines might say that, you know, Mansell's self-destructed, you know, in reality, I think the schedule could sabotage, you know, Mansell's chances of returning with the Browns or, you know, what may have you. Go ahead, Kyle.
1: I, I think that's a good idea. I think you're you're on the right track there. Uh, I also agree that he is not ready to quarterback this team, and I'm not saying it because of the mental issues that he seemed to have had with before he went to rehab, with his cocky nature. I think it's more going to be based on is is he physically able to do it? Can he physically make the reads, the progressions, the play mm-hmm. style instead of adopt instead of going back into his very mobile uh, dance-around technique, which he had at Texas A&M, I think he won't be able to transform into a pro-style quarterback. I don't think it's a knock against him mentally. I think he has the right mind come around this year, but he won't be able to do it. It's a very tough skill, and not a lot of quarterbacks have been able to achieve becoming a franchise quarterback And leading a team, let alone these Browns teams that have been good or very bad, into a winning franchise, I don't think he'll be able to do it. It's
2: an unfortunate narrative for Manziel because he was a first-round draft pick. Had he been, you know, you know, like, has had he had been a really late, late day two draft pick, and he came in with that, you know, what's it called, that demeanor. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know the money yeah. manzel and all that you know right now he has a he has a chip on chip you know on his shoulder that's pretty <laughs> pretty glued on
0: really high. I I mean I I think I think that's exactly it Daniel I mean I I I'm I'm torn on Manzel I mean on one hand he doesn't seem to mentally get it and and I, and I don't mean that as, as he's dumb I mean that as he's used to being Money Manzel, and, and even though he's retired the, the money sign, and he's, you know, seemingly, uh, you know, changed his personality. You, you don't go from being a star player from high school to to college to being drafted in the first round, and suddenly lose that chip on your shoulder or, or that that idea that you're better than everyone else. Um, you know, we've seen it a lot of times before with Manzel, where he says a lot of things, and a lot of it is just PR speak. A lot of it is he knows what he needs to say to get a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth chance. And you know, mentally, physically, I don't know if he's actually able to do it. Um and then even on top of that I think he's in a really bad spot by being on the Browns and that's not a knock against the Browns they're currently trying to rebuild they've got a really good defense but that being said is there's not a lot of offensive firepower there he needs he needs to have guys that you know can be open that that can be uh you know take some of the pressure off of him And he doesn't have that with the Browns. I mean, he could have that if Josh Gordon could kind of get his act together. But sadly, we've seen what Josh Gordon can do. I I think if he was on another team, if he was backing up, you know, Tony Romo, or if he was backing up someone else and had a few years to kind of learn and chill out and get out of that being famous stage, he might be able to do it if he had some weapons. But sadly, you know, being drafted in the first round, Did not help his ego any and that's what he needed. He needed someone to sit him down and go, You're not very good.
2: Yeah. No, and Kyle So Kyle, you said he is undersized. Whereas, you know, Rob Gronkowski can come in you know, he got drafted second round, uh you know, he party he's a party animal, right? Yeah. But no one said about him because he's a he's a destroyer. Yeah. So Well,
0: and, you know, sadly, a lot of that comes from, you know, when you put that persona out there long enough, you're the guy that everyone in the bar wants to go ahead and come over and either, you know, take a photo with or punch in the face. (laughs) And, you know, when you make that mentality for yourself, when you put that image out there for yourself, there's no escaping it. Mm. Not until you learn how to sit at home. And, And a great example of that is Ben Roethlisberger. The guy was a skis for the first few years of his career, but he learned how to sit at home for a while, and he stopped getting in trouble. Manziel just needs to stop going out to basketball games, stop going here, stop throwing water bottles at people, that type of stuff, and just sit on his couch and chill out for a little Justin bit. Justin Bieber of NFL. Exactly, exactly. So, all right. That Actually, to, to piggyback off of that real quick, I should say that even though I I think all of us agree that we don't think he's ready for it, I I would not be surprised if the Browns push him into that role this year simply because they kind of have to. And we saw it with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith. Uh, I I think we're going to see it with Mike Pettine uh, and Ray Farmer with Manziel. They drafted him high. He kind of needs to pan out. And there's no way he can pan out if he's sitting on the bench. So, I would not be surprised if the Browns kind of start booting him out there a little bit and, and seeing what he can do. Yeah, he'll be playing next year for sure. And, and that's a shame. That's a shame. But, uh, all right, so enough about the Browns, enough about the all the other AFC North teams. Let's talk a little bit about the Ravens having the best home field advantage in sports. It's not the NFL. It's not just in the AFC North. We're talking about in all of sports. NHL, NBA, all of them. The Ravens have the best uh, home Crazy. record compared to their uh, away record out of all sports. Now, this was uh, an article that Time Magazine kind of looked at over the last ten years. You know, what's the winning percentage from uh, you know from being at home? What's their winning percentage from being uh, on the road? The Ravens had uh, 78% at home, 43 on road, uh, for a difference of 35 points. That's crazy. That is major. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, I wrote a little bit of an article about it, but, you know, a lot of people will put Seattle up there as being, you know, the top home team, and a lot of that comes from, you know, being a really loud stadium and everything like that. The Ravens have a pretty loud stadium themselves. I mean, the 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 one that I always go back to is you know after a bad uh bad <laughs> ra- all, I knew the call immediately when you said I,
1: the one I'm going to go to.
0: That, that's exactly it uh you know and and the tagline on all of that is that's the loudest manure chant i've ever heard m and t bank Stadium is the one that started that and I've heard it in a few other stadiums after that, but it was never as loud as that game uh and that was against the patriots um that that was that was a rough chance it was uh i'm sure the fcc was was on their fine button for that one but uh, i don't think they actually did fine uh nbc for that but insane uh,
1: like you could hear it clearly yeah. through your tv and like they even cut through and they had uh, the, the announcers going and they're like they couldn't you don't know what else to do it was so <laughs> yeah. clear and
0: loud it was insane it 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 was uh It was intense, and you know, I I think I think a lot of uh, you know analysts and a lot of people that end up doing these types of articles forget about M&T Bank Stadium and they forget about the Ravens being that good at home, Um, and especially over the last few seasons, you know, the Ravens have done really well in the playoffs uh, on the road. But at the same time, at home, you know, most of the time you kind of consider that being a lock. Uh, at least I do. You when know, if the Ravens are at home, they always seem to play better, and that could be because of the crowd noise. It could be because they're used to it. Uh, it could be for a lot of different reasons. But man, are the Ravens good! Mm. So, um, you know, what do you guys think about that? I mean, how, how about you, Daniel? What do you think about uh, M&T Bank Stadium?
2: Not really much. I don't. I don't know. I don't really have much to say about it. But I wish we had copyrighted. The 12th man, or anything that Seahawks, you know, the the uh, logo that they took the trademark. Are, yeah, you the know, 12th man is in Baltimore.
0: That's that's exactly it. And, and Pittsburgh might have their towels, and Green Bay might have their cheese heads. Ravens aren't known for having much of anything on that front. I mean, aside from that crappy purple camo, um, <laughs> God, that is awful looking. Um. <laughs> Man, I'm alienating everyone today. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it's an allowed stadium. It's a stadium that's always packed. It's uh, you know, I, I, I saw somewhere uh, that Chiefs are having uh, their their ticket sales, and I believe it was something like you know, uh, for the lower row you can get in for like seventy bucks. Oh my gosh, y- you couldn't get. Around the stadium for seventy bucks at MT wow. Bank Stadium. I, I, if it was seventy dollars, I'd go to every game. Sadly, it's nowhere close to that. You'll pay a hundred bucks for sitting on top of the lights at the top of the stadium, um, and that's if you're lucky and know someone. It, it's you know, it's a stadium that's always packed. It's a stadium that you know, before when uh, when the Ravens first came to town, Memorial Stadium, you know, you'd see a lot of uh, Steelers fans there. Over the last ten years it's not been the case. A lot, a lot, a lot a lot of Ravens fans end up going there every single week, uh, and you don't see a lot of the opposition there, and there's a lot of families having a good time, which is is always nice to see. So, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, I think the next set of teams up were uh, the Vikings, the Cardinals, and I believe the uh, Seahawks were were there. Um, Those were the... Uh, the the three that were behind the Ravens, and I believe they were all right around 29 points uh, versus the Ravens 35. So, you know, it was it was a wide gap between the Ravens and the rest of uh rest of the NFL there. So, uh, next time any Seattle fans talk about how they have the best stadium, uh, they, they can go ahead and read Time magazine. There we go. <laughs> all right going off of, you know, having the best home field advantage in sports, uh John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, was just named as the third best NFL coach. Uh you know, that's that's pretty impressive and that was by nfl.com, so it's not, you know, some weird site.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh Elliot Harrison uh has has Harbaugh as number 3. And uh in his discussion, he get he says uh, Harbaugh's run in Baltimore rivals that of the best coaches of all time. While it might be hard to think of him in such lofty terms, consider that the Ravens have made the postseason in six of Harbaugh's seven seasons at the helm, nabbing a Lombardi trophy in the 2012 season to boot. He's also 10-5 all-time in the playoffs. That's that's impressive. And I actually did a little bit of a dig up today on it uh, to see exactly where Harbaugh ranks overall. Um, His winning percentage, if you... uh, include the playoffs if you include super bowl is uh, 64.6%. So almost 65% of the time Harbaugh's going to win the game. Uh if you're looking at just the regular season, Harbaugh 72 and 40, which puts him number 62 all time in all coaches in wins. And we're talking about, you know, your your Lombardi's, we're talking about just everyone. That's impressive. Uh his winning rate of 64.3 for the 72 and 40 puts him at 28th overall in all of professional football. And again, that's that's Lombardi, that's everyone. Uh, and third, in active coaches. Now, the two people ahead of Harbaugh uh, on this list is Pete Carroll from the Seahawks and Bill Belichick from the, the New England Patriots. Uh, I think a lot of people find that Belichick should be number one uh, you know, I mentioned that there's an asterisk next to his name, <laughs> <laughs> as as most fans would consider. Um, you know, what do you think about it, Kyle? Who, who do you think uh, do, do you think Harbaugh should be ranked three, higher, lower? I think I think three sounds really good. I don't agree with Pete Carroll being one
1: spot ahead of him after what what's he been in? Three years? Has Carroll been in only three, or is it four?
0: I believe it's been four okay. now.
1: Well, either way, I don't agree with Carroll being second ahead. If I had to put somebody, I would put either Mike McCarthy or I would put uh, It was uh, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin's still a phenomenal coach, and I don't agree with why Carroll is second. I think John Harbaugh is a phenomenal coach. I have him top three to top five whenever I do my coaches count, and I'm – Excited that he's getting the recognition he's getting. That's awesome to finally see that man finally being put ahead. What drove me even more nuts was when they would put Jim ahead of him in these coaches' rankings back when he was still <laughs> playing. And we beat him in a Super yeah. Bowl that should have been a blowout until Roger Goodell, like I, I'm on Terrell Sugg's side on this, decided to shut off the lights. Because okay? <laughs> there, there was something going
0: on in that. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the Conspiracy Oh, podcast. yeah.
1: I, uh, your host, <laughs> Kyle
0: Barber. Here he is. now, but. Chemtrails. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I, I think third is great. I agree with you, I Kyle. think third is great. I agree with you, Kyle. I mean, Pete Carroll being number two. Too high. If you look at his winning percentage, it's not that great. It's 57.6. And even if you look at just his time with the Seahawks, which he's been, he's been a coach since 2010, so this will be his fifth season. Uh, Carroll only has a winning percentage of sixty-two and a half. That doesn't beat Harbaugh in any capacity. And, you know, I can understand Jim Harbaugh being ranked higher or, or even right around the same same area simply because he took, you know, such a bad team uh, and, and kind of made him into something. Pete Carroll, I mean, it's been a slow roll for him over the past few years. And granted, you know, two Super Bowls, uh, you know, even if he didn't win both of them, it's still three. impressive but you know John Harbaugh has just a better record I, if we're ranking it by records Harbaugh's number 3 but only because like you said Kyle that uh, you know Green Bay uh Mike McCarthy is number 2 technically speaking out of all three uh coaches uh McCarthy's second and Harbaugh comes in just underneath McCarthy uh with a uh, 64.6 ranking so how about you Daniel I mean who do you think do uh, you think Pete Carroll's ranked a little too high there
2: that's a big child please
0: <laughs> I feel like there should be a snap to go along with
2: seriously that. we need to make that um <laughs> we need to make that sound sound bite. that's a big child please uh, we
0: absolutely will yes
2: um, John has got the you know he got he really got the job done i yeah I don't know about Pete Carroll. It's still it. I can't. I still lose sleep over this. It's second down on the one yard line. Super Bowl. You're about to win the Super Bowl. to so Go ahead, touchdown. And you have Marshawn Lynch in the backfield, it, and you know just him just trying. He he tried too hard to outsmart Coach. You know Belichick. It was so simple, but that made that's me, true. And yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. Record and all that statistics aside, you know. When your manhood's put to the test, you run the ball. You like that? <laughs> and um, I like Bruce Arians. Yeah, I actually made a quick. Um, remember this? I had an idea about this. Solon and Madiba, the Tell Me Your Wish game, Do mm-hmm. um, You want to? I have a quick. You want to play it?
0: Yeah, yeah, let's, let's dive into that. Uh, well, uh, Before we go ahead and dive into that real quick, let me just mention that uh, I'm not a big fan of Belichick being number one. Whoa. Uh, the me neither. Biggest reason of that is because he's had Tom Brady for so long. If you look back at his time with the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns, not all that great. Um, you know, granted, he's been, you know, he, he has the respect of a lot of coaches, of, of most coaches, if not all of them. Um, You know, so he he certainly does deserve uh, to be ranked high. But, uh, you know, you could make the case that because of the two big gates behind him uh, and that spy gate and deflate gate now, you know, he doesn't exactly have the greatest reputation on that front any longer. And, uh, yeah, you know, a great record. But I I wonder how much of that is Tom Brady and how much of that is is Belichick at this point. Uh, but, all right, Daniel, let's go ahead and play uh, play the game.
2: Okay, so, I mean, this is still related to the topic. It's a quick question for both. Harbaugh stays seven more seasons. You're guaranteed six more postseason appearances, and Joe Flacco is your quarterback. Or, John Harbaugh leaves, Bruce Arians comes in. We get rid of Joe Flacco, pick up Andrew Luck somehow. You're guaranteed one Super Bowl victory and for the next five seasons you are uh you punch a ticket to the postseason four of four of the five times with a chance to make the Super Bowl, but we don't know. What which, which okay. you take?
0: So so you're saying it's Flacco and Harbaugh for seven seasons, guaranteed absolutely getting in to the playoffs six seasons, yes. but no guarantee on a on a on a Super Bowl no. there. Or Andrew Luck, Bruce Arians, you're getting into the playoffs four years. Yes. Guaranteed. And you're guaranteed winning the Super Bowl one year. Right. I I think that's, you have to go with the Super Bowl. As much as I love Flacco, as much as I love, you know, Harbaugh, uh, you got to go with a guaranteed Super Bowl in that instance. I, I think if it was Harbaugh and Flacco seven years or. Luck and Arian for seven years. There's no guarantee on playoffs or anything like that. I'd stick with Harbaugh and and Luck, but, uh, Hmm. or excuse me, Harbaugh and and, uh, Flacco. But, you know, you got to go with the guaranteed Super Bowl championship there. How about you, Kyle? Uh, I'm going with Harbaugh and Flacco. Really? Really? Guaranteed Super Bowl? Wow. I'll
1: take take my chances with Harbaugh and Flacco making another Super Bowl this year (laughs) over that. All right? Because I, I believe they can still do it. This this team looks amazing this year. I feel we are we're going back to the we're going to go to the divisional, if not go to the AFC Championship. I'm confident we actually get to that get to the dance. But I'm I putting agree. the cart I'm putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Uh, nonetheless, though, I'm not a big luck fan. He, the kid's postseason success is terrible. Look at his stats. I I do like Arians. Arians is a great coach. I have nothing against Arians. I think John Harbaugh and his coaching techniques are phenomenal besides his time management. And I think with Flacco leading this team, we have a better chance. And I know a guaranteed Super Bowl is huge. It's huge. And like in my mind, it's just like you're, I'm telling myself you're stupid. Just go with the Super Bowl. But I'm more confident in those guaranteed six postseasons <laughs> mm-hmm. out of seven years we're gonna get one. We're gonna get one. All right, there's no doubt about it. Well, that's true. I'm that's true. You do have confident. more
0: shots on goal. Yeah.
1: I, you know, with six guaranteed postseasons, that means our teams are getting at least 8 and 8, 9 and 7. I'm confident that our style of play under John Harbaugh could get another Super Bowl, if not more than one. I don't need the guaranteed one. I'm confident we're going to get one without a guarantee. And with John Harbaugh doing it for the Baltimore Ravens, I'm more happy.
2: That
0: is a bold take, good sir.
2: Yes, it is.
0: Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's a good one. How, how about you, Daniel? What do you think?
2: I was going to take Bruce Arians and Andrew Luck.
0: Okay, it's it's all about the guarantee for me. If if there was no guarantee, then then Luck can stay in in uh, you know Indianapolis and and throw interceptions all day long. And uh, you know, I'll take Flacco and his unibrow, and and Harball <laughs> and his weird.
2: No, I mean the only reason things because Joe Flacco, what I said, seven seasons. How old will he be in seven seasons?
0: Seven seasons, he'll be thirty-seven.
2: He'll be thirty-seven, and Andrew Luck will be uh 30 thirty-one. Years old. Thirty-one, yeah, thirty-one. I yeah that's I'm taking the younger quarterback at that point. I mean that was my. And
0: that's true. That's true. And I didn't even think about that. I mean, you, you do have luck being younger, and and who knows? I mean, he might end up growing into more of that postseason type of success. I mean, certainly he, at the very least, if you're, if you're guaranteeing one Super Bowl, I mean, he, he certainly would somewhere along there. Yeah. All right. Well, that we have no Twitter questions today. Yeah. Um, cause you know, no one asked any Twitter questions or Facebook questions the hell. Um, so I'm actually going to go ahead and, and do a whole new thing here. Uh, we recently heard today that Rex Ryan tried to trade for backup quarterback at the time, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, he tried to do that when he was with the jets, uh, and Tyrod was backing up Flacco. Uh, but, for whatever reason, the Ravens did not bite on it. What are you guys thinking about that one? I mean, if you're Ozzie Newsome, don't you pull the trigger on getting rid of Tyrod Taylor for, like, any round pick? Not that I hate Tyrod Taylor or anything like that, That's but, mind I mean, That's mind there's a return on investment there.
2: Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start.
0: All right, what, what would it take, if you're Ozzie Newsome, I'm Rex Ryan. I'm giving you a call. Ring, okay. ring. I want Tyrod Taylor. What's it going to cost me? Um, I, I'd like a fifth round, but I don't think I, I don't think that's fair. A fair trade would be a sixth. I okay, think, but so, so you you ask for a fifth with the understanding that probably end up talking you down to a yeah, sixth. I think because well, if he's okay. expecting it to be a like a, if he's expecting Tyrod to be a
1: well. He's expecting Tyrod to start that team. I assume you're not trading just to have a backup. You're trading to have a quarterback. I, I would I would raise the price a bit then because that, that that makes sense. I would ask for a third, third or a fourth, or a yeah about a third one third, or a fourth and a seventh. Not this year, but next year.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Now keep in mind that Tyrod was a sixth round pick in 2011. Mm-hmm. So. You, you at least want to see a sixth rounder, yep. I imagine, uh, you know, it just just to kind of recoup your payment, uh, essentially. That makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, it, with, with all the, the stuff that uh, Rex Ryan talked about, uh, he did mention that, uh, you know, he felt like Tyrod Taylor was the fastest quarterback in the NFL, bar none, mm-hmm. uh, or at the very least, he's he's right up there. Um, and what we've seen out of you know Rex Ryan wanting to go ahead and go with those types of mobile quarterbacks i, I think you're right on that one Kyle i think he would expect Tyrod to be in the running for a starting job
1: with that you got to um, push the so. ticket you got to try and recoup what I, okay. not only what you said you got to recuperate what you got i think you got to you got to make him pay for it you know and then cuz if they get a great starting franchise quarterback out of that and you gave up a fourth round pick for that that's it like you just took a fourth round from them you're going to yeah. kick yourself in the butt. So you're going to want to get something worth value. Like a third-round pick has value in it, I feel. Or a fourth and a seventh-round pick together, I'd be okay with that, knowing that Tyrod Taylor is starting is the, now the starting quarterback for the New York Jets back then. I'd have been okay with that.
0: Okay. Okay. H- how about you, Daniel? I'm, I'm giving you a call. I'm Rex Ryan. Ring, ring. <laughs> I want Tyrod Taylor on my team. What's it going to cost me?
2: You need to get drug tested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now keep in mind this is the man who went ahead and tattooed Mark Sanchez on his arm so let's let's that, escape the whole idea that Rex uh, Ryan is anywhere close to saying don't
2: even know where to begin he he thought bringing in Tim Tebow was a good idea right um,
0: no that was
1: purely a PR move I guarantee that Yeah, he brought him in and then yeah. danced him around on the bench and murdered Any salvageable parts of Tim Tebow? He had
2: uh, Ryan had little success with Michael Vick as his quarterback last season, Mm -hmm. so this just doesn't make sense to me. I'm trying to. I'm still lost under. But but it does point
0: to the bigger picture that Rex Ryan loves mobile quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. He likes guys that can kind of run around. I mean, you don't pick up Vick. You don't pick up uh, you know uh, Mark Sanchez. You don't pick up guys like that. Geno Smith. Um they're all mobile quarterbacks at least, you know, to some extent. Uh they're all mobile quarterbacks. I
2: yeah. uh, If you yeah, so ring ring, you call me. I'm I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm Mr. Newsom, right? I'm Ozzy. I Yep. You definitely make sure you're not trolling me and um I'd probably <laughs> offer you a 7th round pick.
1: You just take a 7th?
2: Yeah. That's uh okay,
0: so all I need is a 7th to get Tyrod Taylor. Yes. Boo. What? Yeah, I, I got to go with Kyle on that one. Oh, he God. was a sixth-round pick originally. I mean, we don't know what year. Granted, it could have been last year. Um, who, who knows? But uh, I don't know. It, it looks like Rex Ryan really wants a mobile quarterback. You've got you one. That. He's got some experience with the guy, uh, at least, you know, in, in some level of seeing him play. I, I imagine you've got to ask for at least a fifth, right? Yeah, Daniel, I mean... stop
1: being good hearted and be be a cutthroat GM <laughs> Ozzie Newsome. There you go. Be cutthroat GM Ozzie Newsome. Oh my God. Rex Ryan wants Tyrod Taylor on his team to be a starting quarterback. And you're gonna only want a seventh? You steal from this man, is what you're supposed to do.
2: <laughs> Dude, he is the best <laughs> clip holder. <laughs> clip what is a clipboard holder? I've met. That's I don't know.
1: Charlie, Charlie Whitehurst is pretty good, and his nickname is Clipboard Jesus. So you're gonna have to fight Whitehurst <laughs> over that, all right? So you, you slow your roll there, sir.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's interesting because you know, I mean, it, now all of this hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But Tyrod Taylor's now with Buffalo, with Rex Ryan, and there's a lot of talk coming out of Buffalo that. It's just a matter of when before Tyrod Taylor becomes the starter in Buffalo. Now, keep in mind, they have E.J. Manuel over there. Uh, you know, the Bills are, are not exactly known for their, their quarterback play over the last few years. But, you know, they, they did pretty recently go ahead and, and put a, a pretty big, uh, you know, uh, uh, draft pick out there with E.J. Manuel. They got Matt Castle on the bench, too. And Tyrod Taylor, so Jesus. you know if there's talk about Tyrod Taylor getting the starting nod over both EJ Manuel and Matt Castle, you, you gotta think that he likes something. He likes the fact that he's a running quarterback, and he doesn't have one on that roster otherwise. You
1: could have snagged some good picks, but instead you gave a seventh for him.
2: <laughs> Dude, in 2011, Bangean. Tyrod Taylor had played one game and had a quarterback rating of 118.8. He was one for one and threw for 18 yards and was sacked <laughs> twice.
0: Dominating. <laughs> Dominating.
2: How bad? Hey,
0: I all know he's got a 118 point rating, baby. That's mad. Don't
1: talk up the bad stuff. You rob him blind with good stuff.
0: Hey, that's exactly it. If you are Ozzie Newsome, yeah, you, you you know that he's calling not to go ahead and have a backup quarterback because you typically don't trade backup quarterbacks that often. Uh, you, you're looking to go ahead and have a guy at least be in the running for starting. And maybe that's why that uh, the, the deal didn't get done, Kyle, is because Ozzie Newsom was trying to steal some picks out of uh, Rex Ryan mm-hmm. And Ryan knew better than that, so good. I'm glad
1: Ozzy wasn't going to settle for a seventh round draft pick for Tyrod Taylor.
2: <laughs> too good hearted for this podcast. I'm too good hearted.
1: Clearly, <laughs> I, you're so nice, Daniel. To by the way, I got some stuff I got to sell you. It's uh, it's phenomenal <laughs> stuff. Uh, if you want to do a straight trade, I'll take like pennies on the dollar. I'm going to give you this. You know, five dollar bill. You know, and I know you really like this five dollar bill. So if you give me that one with the two zero on it, you're more than welcome to trade me.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna call my mom about. <laughs> Gotta ask
1: my
0: mom. <laughs>
2: all
0: right, guys. Well, we have no Twitter questions. That's pretty much all the news. Is there anything else that you think we missed? Um, I think that's about everything. All right. That's about All right, guys. Well, that's been the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, episode zero point one. Uh, for July second is when we recorded this. Uh, it should be released tomorrow. Do not forget, uh, we are on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Please go ahead and rate us on iTunes. It helps us out a little bit. It helps us get us uh, get ourselves out there a little bit more. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with that guy down the street that's a Pittsburgh fan you used hate and you want to kind of rub his nose in it. Amen. Go into his house and, and log on and make sure he downloads the podcast, you know, breaking and entering. It's all cool. Um, no, please don't actually do that. Um, also, do not forget, uh, we are now on Patreon or Patreon, however you want to go ahead and pronounce it. Go on to Patreon.com. Look for Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. You don't have to give us money. We're not asking for, for you know any of this content to be uh, anything other than free, but it does help us out. We're looking to go ahead and upgrade our equipment, maybe do some live podcasts, maybe do a, uh, some giveaways. You guys, even a dollar, it helps. Please thank you. Uh, we do appreciate it, and we will see you guys next week.
1: Awesome. Thank you.